0: then Back to Game of Thrones, everyone.
1: Back at it again.
0: It's been a small break. There's been a lot of news with the convention and with Season 7 coming up closer, and we wanted to come back soon and strong because this pair of chapters, for me, this was something to behold. I know that we talked just before recording. I don't want to take anything off the top of the podcast, but I just think, let's just, let's go right into this. I
1: mean, what we were talking about before, in the 30 seconds, that typically always happens before we record, which is, what did you think? Wait, stop talking. You have to record. Uh. (laughs) Um i feel a little nervous about recording this episode because i know that the princess and the tower is a pretty big chapter within fandom and i think that there's a lot of questions about this chapter and people talk about it all the time and there's millions of theories and threads and whatever about it and so i want to make sure that we do it justice and i want to make sure that we do it justice and i feel like i'm of the opinion I think we're of differing opinions on how we feel about this chapter.
0: I feel different now that I've read them together. This was the first time that I've seen them together. I mean, we put them together like this in our reading order and I think this might be my favorite instance of it just as a mechanic for this reading order. Mm -hmm. But I also, when I finished reading the princess in the tower and he says, Doran says with fire and blood, I was like, Ooh,
1: I mean, that line is good. I can't, I can't take away from that.
0: That, Years long, you know, between books, years long wait before finally reaching to find out what the hell Quentin is up to would have been so satisfying. It's the last chapter in A Feast for Crows. Before you have to wait. Right.
1: And I mean, I read everything as Dance with Dragons was coming out. And so I did not have to sit and wait through that.
0: Do you remember if you were interested in seeing how that played out with Quentin?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is so, it is so difficult for me. And I try really hard to kind of put myself back into the shoes of when I was reading for the first time, kind of take away all that bias, but it's so difficult for me to think about Quentin. And it's so difficult for me to think about Dorn without feeling so incredibly biased. And the Quentin chapter is pretty short and we'll get to it. Um, but we get this reveal about what, um, Duran has essentially been doing this whole time and we get this reveal that he hasn't been sitting by and kind of watching things happen he's been actively plotting and scheming and kind of doing everything that Arianne would have wanted him to do just not in the way that she would have wanted him to do to, to think about that uh, in terms of, of Quentin's storyline and kind of where things could go and where things should go I mean I just have this incredible bias about what happens with Quentin um, at the end of his storyline that makes it difficult for me to look at it in any sort of useful way. Does that make sense?
0: What is your bias?
1: I just, I don't understand what the point is. Right. And I feel like that that might be the point itself. You know, well, Hey, if, if you don't get it, then maybe that's why you should be paying attention. But I just feel like if things had turned out differently for Quentin's storyline, then there may have been more of a point to all of this.
0: I felt like I understood Dorn, in its place as a tool that grew the lands, the history, the lore of the story overall. And it, I felt like it came at a time when, when Dorn kind of needed to get that nod after all the traveling through Westeros in the first four books, mm-hmm. first three books. But you're right, the, the Quentin ending, it does rub a lot of people the wrong way. Why do we get all this time with him if it didn't necessarily lead to anything? And I think the same could be said for Arianne. I think less so for Ariane because of how it leads into this reveal with Dorian. It feels a lot more typical George R. R. Martin, but we're not used to seeing such a long ride with the character end in such a fashion without being more, I guess, central, like Catelyn mm-hmm. and Rob for example.
1: Well, exactly. Exactly. And, and I feel it's like I always say, I always feel nervous about this, but I just, I feel like the whole Dorn storyline is in and of itself. And this chapter is great. And I mean, I think that we get a lot of interesting insight in a very short amount of time into these characters and this family and this place. And aside from everything else, I feel like it's a, I don't want to take away from that. And I understand, you know, that Dorian's trying to be a real player here. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it just it seems so much less important than anything else that's going on.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's funny to think about Dorian in that way, because it, George makes such a point to tell us how much I feel like we're going back and forth between these two chapters. I think it's just going to happen today. But George tells us so much how like Dorian Quentin is. In so many mm-hmm. ways, not only the mm-hmm. way he, he approaches people, but the way he approaches problems. And I think it's it's possible that he is like him in many ways, the way that, that he aggrandizes his station. He, he feels like Dorne will be enough to tempt the Dragon Queen and that at the end of his road, even though he does have many moments and we'll get to it of uh, self-doubt, um, he does ultimately, I think, as far as the grandeur is concerned, believe in what he's doing. And for his father, I think it could be the same whether mm-hmm. whether or not Doran succeeds he sure as hell likes to put on a show in the meantime
1: he does and, and, but i also think he understands more than arian how big dorn is i mean he even makes a reference to the fact that they couldn't take on the throne themselves
0: that was such an awesome part of the the chapter i was like damn mm-hmm. he's, he's literally he's getting as real as it gets right now and it's kind of something that we've all been waiting to hear and if you haven't if you're listening and you've only watched the show and you just listen along with us because you it's kind of like you read the chapters but you didn't have to this is this is payoff i think if you didn't like doran it's almost like dorian Martel is just saying by the way Dorne is you know they like our wine and we're a really big country, but part of the legend is the legend, and we're pretty glad about that. I feel different. I think I have more of a more of a solid opinion about Quentin Martel's outside of looking at each chapter and the story itself specifically, but just the idea of this being in the book which i think is pretty bold of us of us all as a community <laughs> to have opinions on for the record
1: i know <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> remind me
0: <laughs> i think i think just especially looking at these chapters back to back rather than separated by a book and learning so much about just being in the headspace of the martels for so long i feel like it's, it's easy to understand that george R. R. martin's story is defined by its harsh realities mm-hmm. even to the good guys the starks Tyrion, Jaime, Brienne, in this case, even his book is not safe from that almost same harsh reality of life where every hero doesn't actually succeed in that even heroes at the highest stage, like the Prince of Dorne's son, even if it's set up really well, even if there's a letter, you know, Viserys was killed with gold and you might get there and it might not just work out.
1: Right. You made a good point when you talked about how Dorne and how all these chapters are handled as being a great world-building opportunity. And I think that plays into the point you just made of understanding that there's lots of people who are vying for power and lots of people who are working to advance their situations, working to advance their family. And it all plays into this big Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> which, But I, I think that's really true. And I, I, I don't really know how to say this. I don't want to diminish this world that he's built.
0: I get it. I'll bet that he from his editors and probably just from himself, like they they probably sweated this conceptually, and it may have had a lot to do with how the books were split. I don't really know. I, I think that there's a lot of complexity in these two books that we just don't understand that people on the internet who study these and have followings because of how much they study them don't understand, obviously nearly as much as George, but I don't I don't know if they can really understand it as much as as they'd like to, because I think that this is a really complex situation and just just knowing that he put after having three books as tight as they were up to this point and knowing that the payoff with Doran and Quentin was done like this and the the way Quentin's story ended up ending. And that when he was there, he didn't necessarily turn the tide too much. I know that we'll revisit it on this read through some more, but he didn't turn the tide as much as, as Catelyn and Rob did or the small John or the people that yeah. died in, in the Red Wedding or any other examples. I realize that, but I feel like wouldn't it be kind of hypocritical of George if he didn't have a character, even if he was from Doran, maybe not succeed, even though he had everything in his favor to succeed. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I just feel like we as readers are already at a disadvantage to even have that, have any of an impact on us because of how tight, like you said, books one, two, three Mm -hmm. were. And now we're kind of in the badlands. And I feel like we, we're going to have to have this conversation when the books are finished, because I'm really hoping and waiting for the fact that this is all going to make a lot more sense. And I, you know, I, I want to know what happens to the story that we care about. I get it. You know? And And I'm not trying to discredit or dismiss any of the lessons that we're trying to learn because I think there's a lot in these chapters. But I think that just my overall frustration with these storylines is the fact that we have spent so much time and been through it with so many people that we have come to care about. And then we're asked to care about these people all of a sudden at the very tail end of that story. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for me. And I would love to be proven wrong, but I have yet to be. So
0: we really need that next book.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's talk after Winds of Winter, I guess. All righty. So, should we kind of go back before we get to that conversation and kind of help build that a little bit? Because I think that as we read to the beginning of this chapter, we've got Ariane who's up in this prison tower who's being held, and she's going back and forth in her head of who kind of told on her and who told her father basically what was happening. And how her plan sort of unraveled a little bit. And so she's basically driving herself crazy, kind of pacing up there.
0: It's, it's kind of interesting how George does it. Her thoughts just become a little bit more will be and just mm-hmm. strange. Spirals. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the big questions that I had is how we're supposed to feel for her. And I'm just curious as you're as reading through this, as we're kind of watching her spiral a little bit in her thoughts. And as we get more insight into what's really been going on, how you feel about her and how you think we're supposed to feel about her, if that makes sense.
0: Whew, that is a big question.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. And I don't know the answer myself.
0: Well, I think that all we have, all we can say is how she made an impression on us. And and George offers a pretty decent amount of supporting evidence for most ways to think. It's easy to look at the way that she was raised and the fact that she was a pawn from the beginning. I know that comes later in the chapter after you've probably been brewing up all of your thoughts and opinions about her as it goes on, as you learn more about how she thinks about people that might be dead or almost dead.
1: And I do sympathize with her a little bit in this back and forth that she has about her betrayal and how she was surrounded by people that she's known since childhood, who she trusts more than anything in the world who kind of ratted her out. And I, I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's huge. That would kill me, you know? I know. And I think that that's, Another big debate of, you know, who did that and who actually told. And I think we can go through every single character and make a case for it. But that's something that we just, I don't think we have a real answer for yet. And that would be rough.
0: I'm not sure how much it matters at this point.
1: I don't think any of it matters.
0: (laughs) I think it does. <laughs> Balan Swan's on his way, you know. <laughs> He's been feasted and stalled for a fortnight at every different major place. I love that the Woods put him up for a fortnight before they send him on his way. I'm just thinking about what circumstances brewing here in Dorne where another member of the Kingsguard is headed there and Princess Marcella is cut from her cheek down to her bone, up through her head. She's missing her ear. Eris Okard is dead his head was lopped off by Norvoshi Spearman.
1: Rest in peace.
0: Rest in peace. Eris O'Cart. I mean, this is a situation and I feel like he's got Arian in the tower, not only for herself, but just for the situation, just like, let's just take a breath and figure this out.
1: I mean, I think that obviously she's been causing problems as he lays out the fact that he's, you know, there's a reason why he kept offering her to men. She, he knew she wouldn't marry and, with this whole situation with Marcella, Yeah, that was cool. It was cool because I feel like, I feel like Duran in this chapter basically goes from somebody as we, somebody, we well, as we see through Arianne's eyes as, as weak or not acting in the way that anybody wants him to, to this kind of dark horse hero who's been really like plotting and scheming and figuring it out all along. And he really has had the situation as under control as he could with the family members that he has to deal with.
0: Yeah, the um, Sand Snakes over, yeah. over in Martell <laughs>
1: well no, so isn't that kind of interesting though how we kind of go into this chapter or we go into the whole Dorn storyline and we think that the Sand Snakes are the big threat and that that's going to be like the big Dorn push and then we get to the last chapter where we think that it's going to be this crowning Marcella thing and that's going to be the thing but here we finally get to the reveal which is that we get this you know support for the Targaryen cause and that Arianne was going to be married off to Ceres. I don't know what that means and I don't know if that's going to be play into if Arianne's then going to have another role with the whole Aegon thing or whatever.
0: There's definitely a possibility there depending on where they go from the end of A Dance of Dragons, which I feel like that's, that's what's in the books and I think it may I don't know, please you at the throne of books. Do you have, <laughs> do you have your story perfectly packaged? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it may, you might like it. It
1: might. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's what I keep saying. You know, I'll hold out for it.
0: I really liked this chapter though. I know that it felt a lot different than, than most of the story. But she started out thinking of Eris O'Cart. And I think that's where you, you asked how I felt about Arianna and Obviously, in our last episode, we talked about the way that she treated him, the way that she was utilizing her strengths to get what she wanted through him and through other people. And that's what everyone's doing in this game. Just because it's her sexuality does not make it any worse than someone else using a sword to kill people, if anything. It's nonviolent. So can we get an amen on that, honestly? Mm-hmm. Like, can we get over that shit for one t- It's just for real. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I agree with you. It was interesting to me, and maybe this is just me not reading the text correctly enough, or but how much she cries over his sacrifice and how much she's like dreaming of him. You know what I mean?
0: You didn't think that he mattered to her.
1: I mean, I think that that's always been part of the debate and the discussion that we've had. And people who are listening may know even better than I do what I said about all that when we were going through those chapters. But I'm just surprised. and I, And I never, I guess we just didn't really know her true motive With him, you know, and I think that obviously he was a means to an end, but that doesn't mean I don't know what that means in in context of how she feels about him now. And, And I think that the guilt that she feels for what happened because she never wanted to harm Marcella, she never wanted things to play out the way that they did. And so it was just interesting for me to see that the thing that in my mind, she kind of grasps onto aside from the betrayal of her friends is is heiress and his sacrifice and
0: and who he was that makes sense also people like Ariane who do use people like she does i feel like the means to an end is is her normalized state of being so we can assume that she does have connections with people inside of that and i think that even though it feels like she was so beautiful and it took her five months six months half a year to convince Eris to sleep with her or to to charm him into the bed. You got to think that, you know, what else is she doing with her time? Like, this is the person that she's thinking about romantically, even if it's for other purposes. Like, she she cared about this guy. You know, maybe she didn't even want to say it to herself. Maybe she wanted always to keep him at arm's distance. But in some way, maybe not in a conventional way that, you know, people write about, she had feelings for him, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was tough to see it happen this way.
1: Yeah, that was just something that I hadn't really put together. I don't think before that,
0: well, it's easy to look over someone's cold offense and say, well, because of that strength, there must not be something in there that's soft. But in her case, I think it's pretty clear that it is. And the more that she's in the tower, we see her, you know, thinking about things from the past and thinking about her friends, especially in that sequence, the, the someone told sequence, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it lasted three or four paragraphs. It was a, a nice chunk in the middle of the chapter. was really cool
1: it was and she talks about how she she's always been close she talks about being close to her cousins and her brothers and but you know these this crew of hers i mean these this was her this was her squad you know these are her people like this was her family and i think that i mean that's just you you see a lot into why she's reacting the way that she is and plus she's being put in a situation exactly um there's some moment when she's talking about how of course her father would put her in this situation instead of um coming up to to speak with her he's just gonna let her be alone and she's in the dark and that's what's gonna drive her insane like her with her thoughts and the silence is enough to make her this is enough of a punishment
0: um i think that says a lot about her
1: yeah and there's a moment that she's she says it so much like Duran martel that she had to laugh which i think is is good and we get a lot of insight into her we get a lot of insight into their relationship even before they meet and you know again, my feelings about the storyline don't don't diminish the fact that this is a very well written chapter and and we we cover a lot of ground from a very um, personal perspective um, in a very short amount of time with these characters mm-hmm. so she tries to escape that
0: doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a, well attempt number one was she tried to command them it's she just remembered let's call it a few weeks into it she was like oh yeah i can command them and she goes i command you to take me to the prince mm-hmm. i am ready to see the prince now and they're like Ugh. okay <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day she hides right beside the door when they they open it and she sprints right through it knocks over a platter of food and of course they they apprehend her and take her back. And then she looks to the youngest and most impressionable Cedra or Kedra of her helpers that are amongst the ones allowed in her chambers, obviously not to speak to her. And she begins this days long process using Darren, someone that she had previously had relations with and was apparently in love with as a reason to talk.
1: I love it. It's perfect.
0: Magically done.
1: Yeah. I feel like that is so perfect. I feel like that's like the ultimate, but then even that doesn't, I mean, since so she asked Cedra to, or Kedra, however we're going to say it, Cedra, Cedric, whatever, to deliver a letter for her.
0: And this was after she went down a long list. She's by herself. She's thinking. She went down this long list of the people she could reach out to. She has a cataloged repository of all of the people that she could use at any time for specific means. She's doing a good job. She's definitely, I think, yeah, for the person that's going to inherit the seed of Dorne, she knows what she's doing other than this major fiasco. Right. With. with I would, I Actually, I far. take back on that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not go that far.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, I, you know what? I, I, shouldn't be impressed by it. Honestly, this
1: is something that Dren makes us eventually the point that like, Arianne knows enough about the game to play, yes. but not to win. Yes. So, I mean, oh, to your gosh. point there, like she, she knows enough. I mean, she's not stupid. That's for sure.
0: Ma'am. Coming in with that. Also, just quick sidebar: some more stage advice from the Martells. This is from Oberon. He gave it to his daughters: "If you would wed, wed the wed red vi- uh, the wed the red viper had told vi- his own <laughs> daughters. If not, take your pleasure where you find it. There's little enough of it in this world. Choose well, though. If you saddle yourself with a fool or a brute, don't look to me to rid you of him. I gave you the tools to do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Swag.
1: <laughs> Swag." <laughs>
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker.
1: A new concept in eyewear, contemporary eyeglasses that are extremely affordable and fashion-forward. Glasses should be viewed as a fashion accessory, but they should not cost as much as a plane ticket or a new iPhone.
0: Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. And for every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need.
1: Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. What? Yes. Our home try-on program allows you to order five pairs of glasses shipped directly to your door, where you can try them on in the comfort of your own home and get feedback from friends, family, colleagues, the mailman, everyone's opinion who you care about. You can try on the frames for five days before sending them back using a free prepaid return shipping label with no obligation to purchase. It's 100% free and it's so easy a dog
0: do it. I got to say, if you guys are ordering glasses online, it's tough to make the decision without seeing and, and feeling them. But I know that when I used Wordview Parker, having five sent to me at the same time, made deciding on which pair of frames I actually wanted. A whole lot easier.
1: So head to warbyparker.com slash owns to order your free home try-ons today. You can choose the five frames you'd like to try on, mail the frames back, choose your favorite pairs to have your prescription added to and order. Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free and free shipping all around.
0: So visit warbyparker.com slash O-W-N-S to begin your free home try-on experience today. After you head to warbyparker.com slash owns and place your home try-on order, Make sure to download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes app store. They built this awesome home try on companion feature, which allows you to quickly take photos wearing all the frames, stitch it into a video and share it with friends and family to help you pick a winner.
1: Visit warbyparker.com slash owns to begin your free home try on experience today.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Adam and Eve. Are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus a free extra gift. So sensual we can't mention it on the podcast. And to top it all off, they will even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no. They're not kidding. So check out AdamandEve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type GAME for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code GAME at AdamandEve.com. That's G-A-M-E at AdamandEve.com. A huge part of eating healthy is just finding time to do it. Taking the time to plan your meals, trek to the farmer's market, figure out portions, it all adds up. And if you're like me and don't have all that time... You'll love Sun Basket.
1: Sun Basket delivers delicious, healthy recipes and fresh ingredients straight to your door.
0: Get dinner on the table in 30 minutes. It's healthy cooking made easy.
1: You'll get organic, non-GMO ingredients from the best farms and fishermen. Everything is seasonal and sustainably sourced.
0: Sun Basket offers paleo, gluten-free, vegetarian, breakfast, and family options created by an award-winning chef and approved by nutritionists.
1: Each meal comes with pre-measured, fresh ingredients and easy-to-follow directions.
0: And it's delicious. It's time in the kitchen well spent. So go to sunbasket.com slash owns today and get your first three meals free. That's sunbasket.com slash O W N S to get three healthy, easy to prepare meals free.
1: That's sunbasket.com slash owns. She finally decides who she's going to send the letter to Lord Fowler. And she spends days and days because she has days and days to compose it and to say the right thing and to make sure that her case is pleaded for in the right way. And she gives it to Sedra who doesn't return. She doesn't come back. So, um, never hears from her. And so she basically gives up and this is like her last attempt really. And she just, she stops eating. She only sleeps and she finally wakes up one day and she's finally, finally, finally being summoned to see her father.
0: There's two side tables. In, in this chapter, and it made sense because Dorian finally was like, "By the way, I had them put a sidevast table in your chapter. I wanted you to learn how to play with sidevast." No, I meant to say chapter. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I put it. <laughs> I put it twice. Also, Dorian comes in with if if Gerald if he heard this if he heard the Prince of Doran say this literally his entire existence. Would have been for a reason. Doran says this in their meeting, not soon after she enters. Darkstar is the most dangerous man in Dorne.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Gerald is the most dangerous man in Dorne. <laughs> yeah.
0: Whew, you'd be so stoked to hear that.
1: He would be. His entire existence.
0: I thought that she was going to be a little bit nicer in this conversation. You I didn't know did? she was going to come in so hot. Yeah, I did.
1: I mean, but think about it, she's been worked up worked up she's been working herself up for what, a fortnight, longer than a fortnight, about everything that's been going on. And I feel like I feel like this just gets to the root of the problem is the fact that the two of them if they had just had a conversation or if they communicate correctly, then none of this would have happened.
0: Yeah, like if they would just be honest with with each other, like when he asked about Eris O'Cart she says, I fucked him, father. You did command me to entertain our noble visitors, as I recall. And he flushes and asks, was that all that was required? And she says, I told him once that Marcella was the queen. She would give us leave to marry. He wanted me for his wife. And he comes back with, you did everything you could to stop him from disarming his vows, I am certain. So, I mean, that's the most blowback, blowback that she got for sleeping with a knight of the Kingsguard that was sent from the capital. Right, She she does have a pretty good read on her dad. Does she? I mean, she she knows exactly how far to push him and to, for him to reveal the whole story to her after she just pulled this stunt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I feel like she was going to eventually have to know anyway. And so I feel like that this isn't necessarily...
0: You're probably right. This
1: isn't necessarily her getting it for herself, but this is one of those things where it's like, well, I have no other option than to finally fill you in on why this has been going on the way that it's been going on. That's just how I come into that's the realest way to look
0: at it that's probably yeah
1: yeah because i'm real as heck Mm -hmm. it's what i've already said it just i just feel like this whole time through this whole back and forth i'm just like if you had had a conversation if you had been open and honest with each other which i understand may have not necessarily worked especially as duran kind of goes through all the different men that she wouldn't want to marry and um, the reason why she was offered to these people because he knew that she wouldn't accept and she, he knew that she would hate it. And that was the whole point because he needed to try and he needed to do something, um, in order to kind of throw suspicion off, um, about what he's really trying to accomplish. I don't know how to better handle that situation, but it's just, it's, it's interesting to see, it's interesting to see so much of their dynamic packed into you know, a lifetime of this packed into this, this conversation here.
0: And so you're, you're worried that it was all for Quentin, which was all for, you know, roast.
1: I don't know if it was all for Quentin. And and I don't want to say that Arianne's role isn't that, that there's not going to be a role for this storyline in the Winds of Winter and beyond. I just, I just want to see it matter. And, and I guess it's one of those things where I just need to like not jump the gun because I'm sure I could have said that about other things in the very beginning of the story. I just want to have to read all this,
0: (laughs) to put it plainly,
1: (laughs) for it to matter. I mean, you know what I mean? When when instead we could be... You're not the
0: only one that feels that way. Yeah,
1: you know, instead we could be with characters that I really, really care about, like Sansa and Arya and Jon and, you know, all all of these other characters and, and even Cersei and King's Landing and to me what the root of the story is and i think that maybe that's what george r r martin wants me to feel and i'd like to be proven wrong but so you know we get to this um line at the end of this chapter about ven- vengeance justice and fire and blood which is awesome and i hope that some impact is made i mean i know that you disagree with me but like not really i was going to say like on what level do you disagree with me and like what are i what are your like your read on this and what do you I mean, what do you think? I feel like I've been kind of being so anti all of this this whole time.
0: <laughs> I think that there's merit on both sides. I, I'm i always I always shy from questioning um, an artist as skilled as George's work, even though I know that art asks to be questioned. It's two sides of a coin. I just feel like I trust what he's been doing with the story so far. And there's two books left, you know? and i think arianne's character is fascinating i love i, I mean she's she's very consistent and mm-hmm. she's very well written and same could be said for all the martells and i had a lot of fun with the merchant's man as well i really like the dynamic of these guys and i know it feels kind of out of place but george's world is really big it doesn't know how to be Winterfell. i'm but cool with it, it like be- i <laughs> i want pirate <laughs> chapters too you know
1: i'm much more i just i much more enjoy the ironborn and I haven't really quite placed why, because I've been thinking about that a lot recently, actually, on why I care so much more about the Greyjoy storyline versus the Doran storyline. And it's probably because we spent a little bit more time with them. So I don't know, because I think that some people have the same-ish thoughts about that. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why that is. There's no real rhyme or reason to it yet.
0: Before we transition to talk about The Merchant's Man, I wanted to read this this thought from, it was a line from Doran Martell, who... Doesn't get a lot of moments in the sun, but I really think that the end of this chapter was pretty badass. He says this is a response to Arianne asking why he would offer her to Walder Frey. Oh man. Which is a pretty good question. <laughs> <laughs> he says because i knew that you would spurn him i had to be seen to try to find a consort for you once you'd reach a certain age else it would have raised suspicions but i dared not bring you any man you might accept i just read the wrong quote so hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's just leave that all right here's the real quote it was important to know that though i mean so quinn oh anyway i mean he does tell her in that line that she was promised that's pretty mm-hmm. dramatic the princess you that was promised Arian. that's funny Here's the real quote. You mistake my patience for forbearance. I have worked at the downfall of Tywin Lannister since the day they told me of Elia and her children. It was my hope to strip him of all that he held most dear before I killed him, but it would seem the dwarf son has robbed me of that pleasure.
1: Man, that Mm. is good. The long game. I mean, I respect that.
0: And now for Quentin Martell. Adventure stank. (laughs) She boasted 60 oars, a single sail and a long lean hull that promised speed. Small, but she might serve, Quentin thought, when he saw her, but that was before he went aboard and got a good whiff of her. Pigs was his first thought, but after a second sniff, he changed his mind.
1: Pigs had a cleaner smell. This stink was piss and rotting meat and night soil. This was the reek of corpse flesh and weeping sores and wounds gone bad, so strong that it overwhelmed the salt air and fish smell of the harbor.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Valentis, ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, eventually it's the
0: worst. The wet, warm hug from yeah. the tip of the Rhine to the great sea.
1: <laughs> this chapter is pretty short, and it's really just like this little vignette of them walking around Volantis.
0: They've been trying to get a ship there for 20 days. <laughs> Quentin, you're not going to make it in marine.
1: No one the will take it. The stakes are too high. <laughs>
0: Barristan Selmy is her best friend.
1: I know. And he's just like,
0: he's trying so hard. He's trying
1: so hard. He's trying so hard in the whole time. He's like, is Danny even going to like me? 20 days. Think about me.
0: Wow. I mean, I get it. It's they're trying to book passage in the Marine. So it's not all on them. It's tough for them right now. They weren't able to have a ship. Built for them, or to purchase a ship in Planky Town, they couldn't risk setting off Varys's Watchmen. Can you believe that Varys has that much power to impact the storyline with just the flick of his finger passively?
1: Yes, at this Jeez. point, yes.
0: I thought that was pretty cool. So don't hold too much against them, guys. They've been there for twenty days, spinning their just tires in nothing. I get it. A couple of their friends have died, and it's really sad. That's how the chapter eventually. Opens up and if you're a new reader of the story, if you've read it before, you know, that perspective and those chunks of history and knowing what kind of relationship that that he had with these people, they're important bits to pick up, but they might just become cannon fodder in mm-hmm. your head because it's tough for them to get this far and to have so many more trials ahead of them. And for this chapter to be literally rooted in the trial that they're having, the point that Quentin is on a long and arduous journey definitely came through.
1: hmm. Well, and not only, he also has just the entire weight of his family and Dorne on his head, basically. Um, There's a point where he he points out how uh, his father warned him that Dorne will bleed if your purpose is discovered. What we do is treason, make no mistake. And so this is no small thing that they're attempting. And so the fact that they're here and adventure stinks in every sense of the word in this chapter because he's got a ways to go like we're saying.
0: The ship, the concept the plan like I said earlier at some points he's like of course this is going to work he's dreaming of her, she will want Dorne and then later on in the chapter he's, he's thinking Quentin had no idea what Daenerys Targaryen might like he had promised his father that he would bring her back to Dorne but more and more he wondered if he was equal to the task I never asked for this, he thought I feel like that first sentence, Quentin had no idea what Daenerys Targaryen might like. This could be an innocent crush, but the implications are so big.
1: (laughs) It sounds so high school.
0: Man. So. Men and women, you know?
1: I just like, you know, I know I've been harping on this for the last hour, but unless Quentin is alive, then what? You know what I mean?
0: You just sparked so many at replies right now. Quentin (laughs) No, it's good. Tell us if you think Quentin is alive. We want to know. I
1: mean, that's the thing. It's like, I want this to be a conversation because I, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious and everybody reads this a little bit differently and everybody has a different opinion. And so correct me if I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, not only is this chapter... Anyway, a little bit of just kind of like strolling around Volantis, which is cool in and of
0: itself. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. The elephants, the triarch, the one of three triarchs that serves his year term who can't step foot on ground. Yeah,
1: that is kind of cool.
0: <laughs> for the entire year. So he rides an elephant everywhere he goes while the small folk clean up all of the massive piles of shit that they leave in their Imagine wake.
1: Imagine your feet not touching the ground for one whole year.
0: That would be that would definitely be different. I just love that we've been to Valanis before, but we learned a different Volanis. We learned a, a, a Valanis with Quentin Martel at mm-hmm. the head. He's not the cute friend of his friends, but he's not doing so bad. And mm-hmm. they've got gold in their pocket and they're sick of the weather. And like I said, they like it there, but they don't like it there. They like the food, but it's too sweet. It's just a little bit not right, but mm-hmm. yet they like it so much that they're spending time there. And they heard at this local inn that this guy down at the dock with the ship named Adventure, just find the ship that smells the absolute worst. And the guy who looks most like a pirate that you can't trust, he's your last hope if you're looking for passage to Marine.
1: What is it? They're worried that he's going to try to enslave them or something.
0: I mean, it makes sense. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. same it's not like some nice airbnb
0: oh my gosh and when they were talking about whether or not they could buy their own ship he was like we can't sail it also there's the corsairs to think about and quentin's like oh i hate corsairs and they're like yeah just pirate ships of of borders that you know killed people that they cared about
1: yeah just pirates
0: and and quentin uses in this chapter he's like this is all game to me right he's like this, i got at some point i have to realize this is not a game i grew up you know highborn and people are dying and we're still just kind of, you know, blindly. I don't know. There's a lot of conflict here.
1: and Hopefully it matters. (laughs) (laughs) So awful. Something that was really cool in this chapter that you definitely aren't going to pick up on your first reread or your first read, not your first reread is that you notice penny and company
0: Mm -hmm. in
1: this chapter, which I thought was pretty cool. That was Um, cool. I liked that little nod that I wouldn't have ever picked up on my first read through.
0: Also the nod to ox carts which I thought was a bit too soon, as in it hasn't happened yet. But if you remember, ox carts are what Quentin's using to try to move the dragons out mm-hmm. of the pit and marine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, George, did you have to <laughs> write a whole paragraph about ox carts? <laughs> because it was because the ox I didn't cart was pick written. Up on that. It was written in volunteer local tongue. And he went to say, George went to say, oh, it looks like an ox cart, but it's actually just this. And I'm like, oh, that's... That's dirty.
1: Too soon, but not yet, like you just said.
0: Mm -hmm. Building in those recurring themes, it's like when Quentin sees it and it's one of the last things he ever sees, he'll think about that moment when he was in Volantis, those 20 beautiful days, unperturbed by responsibility.
1: Except for the responsibility to get to to Marine.
0: So what do you make of their debacle? I know that we could go into the ins and outs of the conversation. But basically what went down with the pirate was he was like, listen, no one's going to Marine because the fighting pits are closed. What's the point? Because the slaves aren't being sold anymore. What's the point? You know, if it's wine that you're selling, fine. But chances are the three of you don't really have enough wine for us to make this, you know, make sense. What's what's the point? And they're like, here's the point, triple the money. And they thought after, which I thought, again, was one of the the most fun parts about this chapter that separated it so much. It just, it felt like a different book almost. Right after this conversation, they were just talking amongst themselves and they were making jokes about basically what this guy was going to do to them once they paid him this money and agreed to go. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because they were, you know, this is their best hope. And they were just casually with just ha 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 vigor, accepting this cruel and terrible task that they're being <laughs> that they're on you know like they it's not going the people have died already mm-hmm. it's not that glamorous
1: and the weight's already been there and and he goes into how anxious he's he is not to not to let that happen again
0: so as far as the trip to marine is concerned the big question is do we go over water that hasn't worked out so well for us or do we go over land those awesome valyrian high roads that you guys learned about in the beginning of a feast of dragons they're very convenient because guess what? Volantis used to be a mere outpost of Valyria and it has road systems. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately the place is so haunted by terrible people that it is now named the demon road. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't, it's, it's you can't go that way. You can't go that way. Yeah. I
1: mean, so that leaves them with no choice really then adventure
0: they're like at the end of the chapter they're like basically in front of like this marketplace right and there's like windblown dudes staying at the same hotel as their boys that they were waiting for right and they were like join the windblown you fucking pussies or whatever (laughs) you know and they're like we don't want to join the windblown (laughs) and then they go inside and then his friend's like i got an idea and that's where the chapter cuts off we
1: should uh you should do a a dramatic retelling (laughs) of
0: (laughs) these chapters
1: (laughs) It'd be really funny.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> <It's> what happened. <laughs> anyway, can we talk about this 200 foot high wall that's just in the city made by the Valyrians across the wide blue expanse of the ruin? He could see the black wall that had been raised and it's black wall proper. So that's the name of it. That's pretty cool. That it had been raised by the Valyrians when Valantis was no more than an outpost of their empire. A great oval of fused stone, 200 feet high and so thick that six four-horse chariots could race around its top abreast, as they did each year to celebrate the founding of the city. Outlanders, foreigners, and freedmen were not allowed inside the Black Wall, save at the invitation of those who dwelt within, scions of the old blood who could trace their ancestry back to Valeria itself. I mean... If we had the chapter for passages like this, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I know, right? That's cool.
1: It's like we're, we're talking about just kind of the scope of all this. You talk about festivals that are happening and people that live inside these walls. And that's a whole nother series. You know what I mean? HBO knows what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now that we know that all of our guesses from last episode were wrong.
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> That's a whole, yeah. Okay. So another spinoff idea, the windblown. Mm -hmm. All right. Check it. I'm going to just, this is, I'm going to use the same pitch that the windblown use on Quentin and his friends. This is the pitch for the windblown, which is a group of mercenaries. I don't know if you've heard of them. You probably should have by now. And if you haven't, they might be the next spinoff series. We'll see. This is the pitch master question mark. Fuck that. Are you a slave? Come with us and be your own master. Do you want to die a bed? We'll teach you sword and spear. You'll ride a battle with the Tattered Prince to come home richer than a lord. Boys, girls, gold, whatever you want. If you're man enough to take it, we're the windblown and we fuck the goddess Slaughter up her arse. <laughs> <coughs> and then it's they so just start neat. singing. I know, I
1: was going to say. <laughs> and then it's the, <laughs> it's the singing after that's like... <laughs> gets me
0: yeah so they go upstairs they go over the terrible circumstances with their friends that they're in and uh, one of them speaks up and says by the way I have an idea and Quentin's like tell me and we're meant to wait until the next chapter so we'll we'll stop there we're so supposed we'll to
1: wait see what happens
0: without any ado my own for this chapter is the windblown pitch especially, it's ridiculous
1: especially the way you, you said it thank you I was into it <laughs> I really, my own for the chapter is going to be, for something that we already talked about, but the the thing that I thought was so cool, the triarchs, that their feet don't touch the ground for one whole year while they're in service. I think that's pretty cool. So my own goes to that.
0: Could you imagine the slaying that, my feet don't touch the ground? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, And I'd like to give my own for the princess in the tower, probably the dark star for his reputation (laughs) that he's somehow, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even a small man can cast a very large shadow. Power is, you know.
1: Mm. Nice little plug for a... You like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. A little nod to, to Armin and Gerald. Thank um, you, Gerald. My own is going to be for this moment when Arianne, she uh, dumps a flagon of wine on Timoth's head because he isn't responding to her. And so she's frustrated, so she dumps her wine on him. Okay, that's pretty funny.
0: He left abashed. Loved it. Before we transition to the end of things, it's time to read your owns. And the first is from at Spivy 116.
1: My own for the princess chapter goes to Sir Boris Blount, who gets to party like King Robert all through Dorne, not knowing why. <laughs> and uh, in Merchant's Man, own to adventure verse thinking bad enough to make a prince want to be a sellsword. Hashtag tattered mud.
0: And finally, heathen king. Own to this line. We princes make our careful plans and the gods smash them all awry. The story of Dornish plans going to shit.
1: we have got an email from Travis who says, Own to Darkstar for evading capture and vanishing into the deep desert with blood upon his blade. That sounds so swaggy. He will return. I'm sure he will paint the world red once more with his sword of the hashtag <laughs> warning. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and then own to Prince Dorian Martel and his side-ass table, turning an onyx elephant in his hand, and then handing Arianne a black dragon. The imagery and symbolism by George is second to none.
0: Ouch. That was a good so that was cool. a good and for the Merchant's Man, owned Quentin's dreams of adventure and love, of heroes and knights, maidens and queens, dragons and pirates. It stinks sometimes, and you don't always make the journey you expect. Sometimes the girl marries a different boy, and you get eaten by a beast. <laughs> yeah. <I think laughs> Travis just did it. I think he just said all that I tried to say yeah. the whole episode. <laughs> I think
1: so, too. <laughs> Same.
0: If you'd like to send in your owns for the podcast, you can do so by hopefully reading or at least looking and figuring out what our next pair of chapters are.
1: You can head over to afeastwithdragons.com. Where you can see all of our chapters lined out. And next time we've got Danny four and Brienne five.
0: Powerhouse.
1: Girl team. Girls. We just
0: watched episode three for we watched the throne of season two and it's where Daenerys or not Daenerys, but uh Brienne gets her mm-hmm. gets her introduction moment and it's, it's just so like good. oh it's like oh come on Brienne, coming in there destroying loras anyway if you want to watch or listen to rewatch the throne it's kind of confusing you can watch game of thrones and listen to rewatch the throne or just listen to rewatch the throne we're going through the series again and it's been a lot of fun
1: it's been awesome
0: you can find rewatch the throne at rewatchthethrone.com
1: and if you want you can also join us in nashville in just a couple of weeks it is coming up unbelievably fast we're going to be in Nashville at the end of June for Con of Thrones which i feel like is all we talk about or maybe it's cuz all we think of, it's all we think about but we've released a schedule just this week and so all of the programming is live if you want to check out what some of the panels are going to be some of the different discussions that we're going to have it's going to be it's it's cool to finally have that out into the world
0: i know i'm and i'm so proud of the team and everybody just a part of the entire process. We've still got a lot to do, but now that the program's out and everyone can click through on their iPhone or on the website, that's pretty cool. It's a labor of love. We're so proud. Yeah, we're so proud and we hope that you guys enjoy it. So even if you're not going to the convention, you should go to conofthrones.com slash schedule or search for Con in your phone's app store and just look at the stuff that we've all put together and what everyone's doing and the different sorts of people that are going to be presenting on fun topics. Um, yeah i mean I'll, I'll say more later we've got so much more to to talk about but uh con of thrones it's coming up so fast
1: mm-hmm. so go check it out
0: and thank you everyone for listening to game of owns we hope that you enjoyed our episode last week with david peterson i know that we had a blast and we wanted to get back to a feast of dragons so here we are
1: so here we are no it's good to be back in the books as we kind of head into into the season and as we're prepping for the con it's nice to be where it all started for us so
0: thanks for listening everyone say hi don't be strangers (laughs) goodbye